You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So I must admit that I had a completely different sermon planned for today. Um, But then yesterday morning, I woke up to the devastating news that Christian writer and dear friend of this congregation, Rachel Held Evans, died suddenly at the age of 37. And that's all I've been able to think about. It feels like a punch in the gut. I uh, honestly hardly got any sleep last night. And then when I got up this morning, I found myself judging myself for feeling the grief that I do because right now her family, especially her two sweet children and her close friends, including our founding pastor, Nadia, are experiencing a loss of a whole different magnitude. I wasn't lucky enough to call Rachel a personal friend. I only spoke to her a couple of times, but... Over the years, she has been a a faithful friend to this congregation. She has prayed for us. And for so many in our church, Rachel was one of our greatest mentors for how to leave behind religion that was no longer good news for us. While simultaneously holding on to the hope that the good news is still there to be found. And so if I'm struggling, I know that many of you must also be struggling. To lose a hero is a specific and uh, confusing kind of loss. Especially when we did not know our hero personally. Because we're not only faced with the loss of a life, but also with our fear that we will lose all that our hero stood for. And in Rachel's case, the thing that I saw her stand for the most, the thing I don't want to lose, was her witness that when we change, we do not then have to hate our past. And that though it is natural and human to to turn on our past and project our discomfort with our past onto those who still believe and feel as we once did, that though it's natural, we do not have to be and will not ultimately be trapped in such spirals of self-loathing. Not forever. Because our destiny in Jesus is reconciliation, even for those who told you that you couldn't preach or teach because you're a woman or, or that person at church that told you that God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. This was a hard lesson for me to learn, I'm, and actually, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still learning that I don't actually have to hate my past. After I left the Southern Baptist Church, rather than nurturing my own faith, I spent years nurturing hatred for my past. 
and hatred for those who symbolized it. Uh, I subscribed to all these Baptist newspapers and fundamentalist magazines, even when I was no longer a Baptist, just so that I could sit in home and ridicule those idiots who still believed that the earth was literally made in six days or that Satan planted the dinosaurs to trick us into following science over God. Two things I used to believe myself. But Rachel was one of the the voices that spoke most clearly to me that, that I needed the first part. I needed good news that was actually good news. I needed to be set free from fundamentalism, but I I didn't need the second part. I didn't need the self-loathing and the judgment of those whose lives simply took a different shape from my own. Because we actually are all in this together. All of us are trying to make sense of this weary and mysterious world with the tools that we've been given. And even on our best day, I think we're at most running on half a tank. So we need each other. We need each other so much more than we need to be rid of each other. Rachel reminded me of this again and again. And so I give thanks to God for the life of this saint who is now in God's glory. Ultimately, though, this sermon, it's not a eulogy for Rachel Held Evans as much as she deserves thousands of them. Rather, this sermon is about a story and a truth that is older and bigger than any one of our lives, which is that when God raised Jesus from the dead, the empty tomb sent out shockwaves of grace throughout the universe. Shockwaves of grace that turn enemies into friends and that transform our past into the, into the theater of our liberation, not a wasteland to be forgotten and destroyed. It didn't take long for the, for the resurrection to begin sending those shock waves out and breaking open hearts and setting them free from this self-loathing. In today's gospel, we find Peter who's fishing with the disciples. And like after years of hanging out with Jesus, they, they return to the ways of their past to fishing only to find that uh, now they kind of suck at what they used to be good at. They don't catch any fish. <laughs> at least not on their own. Then Jesus comes and gives them some Messiah pro tips and they, and they catch the mother load. But here's the part that I just love. When Peter realizes it's Jesus, he can't wait to run to him, but then he's like, wait, 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 I'm naked. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's how you fished back then. I don't know. <laughs> So, so, so despite his excitement, Peter, I mean, he first stops to put on his clothes. Now, the Gospels, they don't tell us why he did this. But I, I can't help but think about Adam and Eve in the garden. Having done the one thing they promised not to do. They immediately realize that they are naked and they rush to hide themselves from God. And so now we, here we have Peter... Peter, who has betrayed his promise three times, now standing in front of Jesus. I mean, I'd want to cover myself up too. 
But then Jesus, he does this remarkable thing and he melts away the source of Peter's shame because each time that Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, and each time that Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Each time Jesus is matching Peter's betrayal with love. Love rather than judgment. And he's, he's drawing out the love that was always there, but had been hidden behind Peter's brokenness and self-loathing. And so it's as if Jesus is telling Peter and all of us that we don't have to be ashamed of our past and that our failures are not a barrier to our belovedness, but that they are fertile ground of our liberation. After all, I mean, Peter is the rock on which the church is built, says Jesus, and that, and that means all of Peter. His past, his present, his future, warts and all. Which also means that our betrayals, our pasts, are not mistakes which never should have happened. They're not bad dreams to run from, but they're the place where our eternal life actually begins. But this, it's not something that we can just learn on our own. We need the power of the resurrection to learn it, which is what Saul, uh, a.k.a. St. Paul, uh, learned on the road to Damascus from our reading from Acts. I mean, Saul was really not happy with early Christians. Um, most of them were faithful Jews who had had an encounter with Jesus that they just could not deny. And but for Saul, this was, this was a betrayal of the God of Israel. And so he, he sought to imprison and kill them. But on the way towards more death and murder, this, this murderer is stopped in his tracks. He's struck blind, and in his blindness, he receives forgiveness of sins from Jesus himself. And I know for many of us, we've, we've heard this story our whole lives. But it's, I find it remarkable and worth spending time with because here we have a pillar of the church, the apostle to the apostles, and he's a murderer of Christians. I mean, you can't have an enemy that's any clearer than that. And yet this is who Jesus chooses to lead his church. And that's because this is who Jesus always chooses. Jesus always chooses the murderer, the liar, the thief, the homophobe, the racist, the adulterer. Jesus, Jesus chooses those who need his grace the most. The ones who need to be set free the most. Which is to say all of us. And though I do believe that Jesus will one day hold all of us accountable to all that we've done, I do not believe that Christ will ever hold us hostage to what we've done. Christ will not hold us hostage to our past. And I don't think that's just wishful thinking, but it comes from scripture like today's reading that look at Ananias. Saul has been killing Christians just like Ananias. And then Jesus comes to him and says, hey, you know that dude that's been targeting you? I want you to go find him and then baptize him. 
I can't imagine what Ananias must have been feeling. In light of this reading all week, I've been wondering how I'd feel if Jesus appeared to me right now and said, go find the shooter from the synagogue in Poway or any one of the shooters who have been terrorizing houses of worship around the world and go find him and and baptize him. I mean, I, I don't know if I could do that. But what I do know is, as uncomfortable as grace makes me, this is the life that Christ is drawing me and all of us into. And that if I ever were able to baptize someone who would cause such devastation to people that I loved, it would not be by my own power. Because that kind of grace is only the product of the resurrection of Jesus, the power that ripples out into the universe even now, turning hearts of stone into fountains of unending life. My siblings in Christ, this is the promise of the table which Christ sets before us. That none of us, none of us, even those who despise us, will be held hostage by our past. And so we do not have to hate where we have come from, who we have been, or what we have done. Because God has offered us a new way of being human, where all our enemies will one day be changed into friends. This is the promise that Rachel caught wind of and that whispers in all of our hearts here today in this space. You have been set free. And you've been set free to set others free. May it be so. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website www.houseforall.org and click on Give.